Welcome to episode two of The Gathering Storm. I'm Ben Corby, and I'm with my co-host, Michael Medjimidzentis. Um, um, Michael Medjimidzentis, how do you say it? So, this is a good question because it comes up a lot. It's pronounced Minchus. So, we Minchus. the game we use uses inches. Put an M on the front of that and you're close enough. Michael Minches. Okay, fantastic. So, look, we got that out of the way. Uh, I've actually never asked you how to pronounce your surname because when when I see you on Facebook, you're, you're, you've done the school teacher thing and hidden your first name with your second name and not put your surname on there so kids can't stalk you over the weekend, vice versa. So, uh, yeah. Well, we've got it. Minches. Michael Minches. Uh, here we are, episode two, uh, following... I'm going to say the successful pilot of episode one. And we'll, we'll the reason I'm that. going to say successful is the feedback has been overwhelming. Overwhelmingly yeah. positive. Look, I, thanks to everyone who reached out and gave us the feedback. Like, like Ben's saying, it was super positive. Some, some good constructive stuff in there. Let me know if the little snippet of intro sound works. I'm trying something here. I'm the definition of podcast noob so let me know how it goes but yeah super super big thanks to everyone for all their fantastic support and and feedback yeah um length content discussion points topics there different chords were struck across uh, different people we're not going to cater to what everyone wants to hear or feel or see but uh, we will do our utmost and the broader podcast community and I'm talking about the, the normal blokes again. Denise reached out personally and said thank you. Adam Camilleri said thank you. Even Steve Joel over in that, that place where they talk funny. You know, they uh, you know, the recently disfogged statue of Abel Tesman on Smith Street near Plymouth. That bloke that slept on his bed, chopped up and rubbed his nut at one cheater, Steve Joel, um, who hosts the Champions of 40K podcast. So uh, he also had some kind words to say. Uh, Sam Lemon from the Wild World of Warhammer. Uh, have I forgotten anyone? Yeah, look, Nathan uh, Bleakley reached out to me too, who's recently jumped on board with the Normal Blokes as a big plus, and you know Dale and Benny Way from Down Under Forty K. Down Under, yes. Jumping on. Let's go. I won't forget yep. them. They they love an opportunity to plug themselves, so we'll do it for yes. them and plug them up. Yes, they did absolutely. And guys, if if we're not delivering podcasts, go check out all their stuff. Uh, this is about community. It's not about competition competition is for the gaming table uh, which is where we're trying to get our community at uh, we're trying to get the average player to feel confident safe and uh, en enjoy the game table uh, to that end that's where I came from last weekend yeah exactly so the the idea for this podcast is it is about team tournaments so we're doing a bit more of a breakdown for an average or new player about team tournaments how they work what the general thought process is our own personal thoughts and feelings on it as well as well as some events we've been to and just how to get in and about it that's that's the main part of this episode so i'm gonna yep. kick back for a little bit and listen to ben talk about his recent team event he went to on the weekend in adelaide take it away ben yeah, so it's uh, a great prelude to the ATC, which is the Australian uh, Teams Championship. And to those of you who aren't aware of what a Teams event is, it was actually my first Teams event. So a Teams event is you get yourself and four friends, or if you're at WTC, uh, I, I believe there's eight. Eight, eight of them. yeah. Eight, it's eight yeah. of you playing before yep. coaches and things like that. Correct. 
but uh, for ATC and this event, it was five um, players. So the Yabby Hunters, my beloved state team, um, who are memeing pretty hard at the moment on ATC. Uh, go check out Australian 40k memes if you want to if you want to feel the wrath of uh, South Australia. Uh, we we held our event. Uh, there was five teams, five Acolyte teams. So by Acolyte, we mean the more seasoned player. And there was a couple of Neophyte teams. So the Neophyte teams played uh, three games on day one. So there would have been three Neophyte teams. And there was five Acolyte teams. And we played five games over two days. Now. I'm going to reference community, I'm going to reference teams, and I'm going to reference what actually happened on the day. So, again, for the for the noob to teams, five, five players get together, you all need a different faction. Um, so if there's a, a Space Marine faction, you can have one. You can have a Tyranid faction. So for our team, we had uh, Nathan Meach on Chaos Demons, you had me on... World Eaters, we had Liam Fletcher on Ultramarines uh, with Bobby G. We had James Beale on Votan. And we had Joshua Strathern on Chaos Knights. So four other teams take five individual lists and we match up and we pair into them. Now the pairings process is a whole discussion but let's just say <laughs> there's a process uh, i won't unpack it because we're trying to keep these uh these episodes to about 30 40 minutes uh the average drive to work or lunch break etc but there is a process of pairing and there's uh, an offer and acceptance process anyway uh day one my first pairing was mark caruana uh who will be an atc player for south australia i was paired into orcs Unfortunately, I didn't get the win. However, I'm happy with the way I played. Um, did Did you hit that 70-point total that you mentioned in a yeah. previous episode? Yes, I did actually, and I, I got that. I got that. I got to that 70. Um, now, one thing uh, I I do think back, and we always we're our best scrutineer. We 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 judge ourselves hard. We we think a lot. We reflect a lot. Uh, Mark did something really well. He uh, he put his orc commandos on the center objective, so it was mission 33, the the obtuse quarter, the, the obtuse half halves one where you you move the objective markers around. I'm terrible with names. And Priority uh, targets yeah, look, I had first turn and he, yeah, um, one of those. He he dropped his commandos on the center objective, and naturally that's clickbait to me. So my Lord Avocado took his eight bound with him and cleared that objective, but there was Gaz, his first <laughs> turn, going, well, you want that objective, I'm going to take it off you now. So we, we will, over the coming episodes, talk about baiting and trading and how that works, but at the end of the day... My, my objective was to deny primary. I had a very fast, aggressive World Eaters list, and I really wanted just to control the board, not so much play into his secondaries. But by sheer weight of numbers, uh, Mark's Orcs prevailed, and I'd never played Mark before, so it was, a, I guess, a bit of an honor and a privilege. He's a fellow Yabby Hunter, and yeah, it was good, it was good to, to feel the vibe of a, a seasoned Orc player. 
game two, I played uh, Brad Brujea, Brujea uh, and his T-Sons. Now, I'd heard the myths and the legends and the, the street smack about T-Sons, but until you actually play them, uh, you don't really get just how punchy and hard-hitting they are, particularly their psychic phase is as long or longer than a World Eaters combat phase. <laughs> and those mortal wounds are just relentless. Once again, I got first turn. And in goes Lord Avocado, in goes his uh, eight bound and a little bit of deep striking as well. Let's just say I failed three, uh, sorry, one, one 3d6 dropped the lowest charge. I needed nine inches and it failed on a reroll too. And then I just kind of knew that my day was ruined. Um, <laughs> About time game, for the world eaters. Yeah, it was, it was that time for the World Eaters. It was corn into Zinch, and it was a bit of a pendulum swinging. Um, I recuperated, he took back. I re recuperated, he took back. It was actually a de decisive win for Brad in the end, and and his team anti-Metameteor. I think we won that round, but uh, yeah, maybe I was thrown under the bus with T-Suns. Game three, pair, we played... Uh, no, sorry, that was Anti-Meta-Meteor Game 3. We played Culture Gaming was the name of the team, Game 2. I played Raphael Heinz-Bishop and his Custards. Once again, I got first turn. I got first turn three in a row. <laughs> three in a row. I will say Game 2, we were rolling for first turn. We both rolled fives at the same time. The three attempts at first turn. <laughs> fives 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 and we just looked at each other we rolled the dice we looked away and look i had it anyway into custards uh i want to i want to compliment james beale he walked over just before we rolled the dice tapped me on the shoulder and said ben we need a win here we need you to <laughs> we, we need you to we need you to do something great and we need you to score as well and i was like no pressure uh but i'm that guy that likes the challenge and i took three deep breaths and off we went and look it was a decisive win for my world eaters we i got up 16-4 over raf's custards yeah great win unfortunately we didn't win the round we had a, a few tough matchups um nathan meach into james mann with his uh with his imperial knights and look james mann shout out to him uh him and i have been chatting over facebook because he's running a a 3-4 knights list so three big four small which is really unheard of at the moment like it's normally ar armor just spam at, spam at the moment like one big you know eight small um yeah and he he has stayed the course with his three and four list and yeah and i have a lovely collection of imperial knights here at home and i've wanted to make the three four list work and to say he has been talking to me on the best way to do it the right house the right buffs the right strats etc uh, it just really goes to show as i said in the pilot episode networking is really important and i have never been turned away when asking for help day two guess what i, can I guess. wasn't i wasn't <laughs> there when you get that text message and we will uh, unpack a bit of warhammer life balance um my wife and daughter both succumbed to that deadly or that well, it is a deadly virus that um, plagued us for a couple of years. I won't mention its name. I had to make a decision. She told me to stay and play for day two, but she is very supportive of my hobby and very supportive of what I do. So 
I literally jumped on my phone and messaged every World Eaters player I knew in Adelaide and James Scott to the rescue, looked at my list, said he had every model bar the Morlefine and 10 Jackals, which I left with our team captain Nathan Meach and he rocked up on day two and beat Adam Napier. Oh, and his Imperial wins. Guard list. He big beat wins. him 20-0. And do you know what Oof. the best part of this is? The score still goes against my name on the ITC <laughs> ranking. So you're going to sit there and go, look, Adam, I don't know I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm pretty sure I've got that 20-zip win against you. I'm uh, pretty sure that's guard. correct. Uh, and then James had a mirror against Aiden McCoon from the Power Stances, um, game five, and he succumbed to them. He said it was a, a bit of a, a pendulum again. There was a bit of give and take, but Aiden McCune from the Power Stances came through, and the Abbey Hunters uh, placed fourth That's out of bad. five. So, yeah, look, Nathan Meach, our captain, he, he was very realistic, and he said to us over our team's chat, he said, I don't expect us to win this. We have that killer instinct. We're going to go in and be competitive, but... I really hope we give our opponents some great experiences. And that's exactly what I had. I had a great experience playing teams. Michael, you had told me that teams is a fantastic format and one of the best ways to play 40K. I totally agree. And to the to the budding player out there that is still yet to, to try a tournament, an RTT, a one-dayer, um, Give a Teams event a go. Your state may not have the Neophyte Acolyte model that we're very fortunate to have here, but even if your team isn't as good as the others, it's great to learn about the pairing process. There's normally a player pack that comes with the tournament that'll explain the pairing process. The other teams will actually help you through it. And it puts a different perspective on the game that, you know, you you ostensibly have a little bit of choice on which armies you're pairing into others. Now, WTC, ATC, all these guys have spreadsheets and you rank yourself against different factions and you rank yourself against different players and it's, it's all very methodical, highly calculated. And then the day comes and then the pairings come and everything seems to go blurry and dark and you just kind of do whatever <laughs> look Mur murphy's law in 40k is definitely definitely accurate where no plan survives first contact with the enemy and teams tournaments is is where you get to do that extra planning and still yeah. you do not you do not follow that uh that plan because things just change as it goes you you might misunderstand a piece of tech they might get a board pick that makes you go, oh, this is actually a problem because there's dense cover everywhere and I can't do my shooting phase as well. Or it's it's definitely a very, very steep learning curve. But teams events as a whole, I've been playing 40K competitively for at least, at least 10 years now and I am yet to find a better way to play. The biggest thing I say to people who go, oh, what's one of the biggest draw cards is, especially up here in Queensland, I have a habit of round one or two getting paired into a Liam Hackett or an Eric Lathuris. And, you know, they're not they're not the, the biggest names in the world. I'm sure you might not have heard of them, but when you're just a, a little Queensland player and you come up against these guys, you go... Liam Lathuris, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it's a good habit of mine. I go, oh, sweet. I get to play a WTC yeah. winning player quite early in a tournament. And a lot of the time, to win a tournament or even to podium, you've got to be looking at going 5-0 and or 4-1. and And if you pick one of those yeah. guys up early... It kind of knocks you out, and if you want to do well, it can it can be a big confidence knock. 
but with team tournaments, you know, you can turn around and go, cool, I've got the reddest of red, the hardest thing, I'm gonna walk away. If I get a point, I'm lucky, I'm happy, because the rest of my team is gonna get the matchups they want, they're gonna get the wins, and it's gonna be huge. So, team events, I might just do a quick breakdown of, of a good way to prepare for a team event, just for, for the newer players. So team event comes out on Facebook or your tournament page. We're really lucky here in Queensland. We've got QLD 40K tournament page, which the venerable Josh McGowan runs fantastically. You see it come up, you go, okay, it's a four-man, five-man, eight-man team, whatever. And you, you organize your mates. You go, cool, go through the players pack. We can have one of each faction. It's this many points. Let's start. Let's start figuring it out. In Depending on the competitiveness, I know ATC, WTC, the prep for that is next level. But for smaller events, you might catch up with your mates on Discord or something. You go, right, what factions do we have slash do we want to play? What do we think is going to be competitive in a team environment? Because that team environment does give you the opportunity to play different armies, to play different lists. Case in point, the Gladiator Gaming Teams event I took some of my mates to recently we thought we'd go with a bit of a skew just because of the armies that we had at the time. And we went, let's let's throw let's throw a lot of big boys out there. So I ran Imperial Knights with a 10 and 1 split. My mate Brent Piggott ran Chaos Knights with a 10 and 1 split. We had Ivan on Custodes and he had six dreadnoughts in there, three of the I don't know, spear or sword guys and three contemptors. His brother Micah was running Tau and he had some he had a ghost kill and some riptides. So we went with lots and lots of big boys because our thought process in a five-man team was, and this is one of the things you talk about, is they might have the tools to deal with one, they might have the tools to deal with two. But if we throw like four out of our five lists are all rocking big boys, it's really hard to build a team that can deal with that comfortably. Now, do we think this worked? More than we thought. We, we got really, really lucky with it and our pairings went reasonably well. I think the... The silver bullet for us was actually our Blood Angels player because that was just a spanner in the works that a lot of players went, I don't want to touch that. And it helped us dictate our pairings a bit more. We went 3-1-1, three wins, one draw, one loss. We drew against one of the normal bloke teams and that was, we were definitely on the losing side of the draw then. It turned out that it was smack bang on and some of the skew towards the bigger boys helped us fight for every single one of those points to get the draw. And the round that we lost was against, again, Eric and his team of absolutely fantastic players and gentlemen. And they they had conversations with us about things that we could do better. And you know some of us have done teams tournaments before, but with, with all that learning, you only get better. And instead of just going, you know, single tournament, you chat to your mates and things like that. But at teams, you sit with your team at lunch and you look at the next round and you discuss your pairings, you go back over your spreadsheets and things like that. And yeah, Ben, we were definitely that type of people with spreadsheets. We had our our color-coded spreadsheet and I've never seen, like there's a couple of teams there that, you know, the teams that went one and two and three where you look at it and it's just like the red sea. There's just a sea of reds everywhere and you go, cool, what are we going to get out of this? We're just going to learn. We're going to play our best game, put our best foot forward, fight for every point and we're just going to learn. So there's a bit of a, of, a, of a rundown. The pairings process works differently, but... I recommend if you have never done one before and you end up in the super fortunate role of being captain, as I did, if you're not sure, reach out. 
talk to that community, find someone who's been to a team's tournament, go, how do you tackle the process? What's what's the thought process there? Because everyone tackles it a little bit differently. In Australia, we've already got a reputation for being a little bit different with how we tackle the process. And you, you've got some some incredible minds here to help you out with that. So that's that's my thought process on on the basic schematics of a team tournament. Anything I'm missing there, Ben? No, look, that's fundamentally... Um how it works you look at your opponent's lists you see what your list could do to that list you see how your secondaries would play into theirs you normally get the the mission listing done uh well in advance so all five missions were listed you know top to bottom again it was uh, a group of five mates um for instance our best ultramarines player no disrespect liam was james beale but liam didn't have an alternate list so he uh we gave the ultramarines to him james was able to pivot over to um the the botan so you you want to play to your strengths but you also you got to play to each player's ability and what what they've got available so you, you can't have that crossover yeah 100 um, percent and James, I, I, I know James, yeah. I played him in Adelaide a couple of years ago and had an absolutely stellar game against him. Uh, he shared some really nice words with me this year at Adelaide about how that game was a, a really good reminder of him of the importance of, of having those really enjoyable games. So shout out to James there. But yeah. we we talk a lot in, in teams about that, factions and things like that. And at the end of the day, every team I've been on or I've captained, I've said to someone, I would rather you play something that you are confident with and that you enjoy than trying to get you to lean onto something that might be the latest hotness or whatever. I, you know, am a stalwart, stalwart Eldar player and have played many a game with them and people have just trusted me a lot more to, to just run what I know. It might not be the most optimum meta thing, but if you've got someone who's got reps, who's got practice and they bring a bit of a, a different list, your, your teammates going to have more fun and probably are more likely to have success too. Yeah, absolutely. And success is what you want. There's, you know, you, you, you want to go back to your team captain after your game and say you've had the win. Ideally, you'll have a coach there that'll walk around and say, hey, how are you going? They'll drop a bottle of water off or, or just, you know, give you a bit of a pump up, a rev up. They can't coach you whilst you're playing. That That is highly unfair. Um, but... Um, Look, as the average player, and I'll say that I'm more average than Michael, uh, the, my <laughs> learnings from, from this event were, again, understand your opponent's models. Uh, a mistake I made into Zinch was I totally forgot that uh, Magnus the Red is Titanic and that he is wound-capped. I had my last cannons on, my, on the Land Raider that could have taken four wounds in the shooting phase and then lord avocado could have done his four wounds in the combat phase i totally forgot magnus was titanic um or a large model that isn't character protected sorry michael you're looking at me on the camera like i'm uh, <laughs> like uh, i'm saying the wrong thing and i hope i'm not because it'd be a pain in the ass to go back and re-record this um look yeah, that's he... not going to happen but yeah look yeah. again average average in, in what we know and what we what we say there he he definitely doesn't get that character protection he's not not face capped gasgill is definitely yep. face capped and i look at a poor yep. world eaters listen to gasgill and go that's going to be a bad time but that's yep. that's a huge key learning to take away is to make sure you understand your opponent's yeah. army really well 
um, understand what pre-game shenanigans they have, what pre-game moves they can make, uh, understand the, their longest range weapon, say, hey, what's your longest shooting weapon? How many inches is it? That affects the way you deploy. Uh, you know, you make sure you've declared your strategic reserves so you can set those screens up out in your deployment zone. If you don't know what a screen is, you're basically setting up that nine inch uh, parameter that they can't drop in behind you. And potentially, you know, if, they're, if they've gone for a secondary light behind an enemy lines, that, that, that's a big, ooh, where are you coming in from? Where are you going to set up? I don't think so. I'm going to set my screen up. Uh, in the backfield, uh, understand their psychic phase, understand how many psychers they've got. I mean, I was clever enough to abhor the witch into Zinch. I only got the eight points, I think, uh, just because they refused to die and all those mortal wounds, all those smites, all those super smites were just... And he, he could not fail a psychic phase. Anyway, understand your opponent before you roll that first dice to see who goes first. Just have that quick chat make sure your biggest vehicle can move between all of that terrain come to that consensus on how the terrain works is this dense is this concealing is this defensive um it it saves that awkwardness during a game that can really unpack and change the whole dynamic shift of of, of happiness during the game most importantly shake hands with your opponent before you start look him in the eye and say hey we're playing with plastic toy soldiers at the end of the day. <laughs> let's just create, let's let's just have a great game. And yeah. if we come back to that, guys, at the end of that, guys and girls, we are playing with plastic toy soldiers. Yes, we invest a lot of time painting, reading, modeling, list building, doing all the things, and we just want to win COD Sarnet, but it's a hobby and it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, those those man dollies at the end of the day. It's, I've I've seen war dollies, some, war dollies. Yeah, some good conversations. But what what you're saying there, Ben? That whole the the a really good way to explain that is playing by intent. And yep. for us here at the podcast, our big thing here is our intent is to have a fun game, our like fun competitive game, and just sticking to that kind of credo and saying to your opponent, you're going to ask the questions. There's there's a few key questions we might go through that in a later episode about you know you ask for like redeploys psychic powers etc you ask you know you go through with your opponent about terrain like ben said make sure everything can move through or should should have lanes to move through and in things like wtc atc they've got terrain maps set so that that is possible but play by the intent if you intend for you and your opponent to have a good game you are much more likely than if you intend to pound them into the dirt with no remorse, no mercy, no nothing. So that playing one tent is, is such a crucial part of what makes this hobby as fantastic as it is. And I, there was a couple of times where I think Brad had said, oh, I forgot to shoot with them. And I'm like, so shoot with them. He's like, but we're, we're kind of into the combat fight. And I'm like, just shoot with them. And then we'll pick up where we left off. And look, it was not advent, you know, it wasn't to my advantage. He actually shot a little bit off the table, but that was his intent. I know he said, he actually said at the start of his shooting phase, I'll shoot them into them and I'll shoot them. And then look, his intent was there. It was clear. Uh, if he had forgotten, I too would have forgotten, but he reminded me and I was totally happy with it. And if, if, if it changes his experience that I say, well, no, you're not shooting with them. Too bad, mate. I'm kind of don't be that guy. Just let him shoot with his 
with his guys. Look, if it's a highly tense game and you've two very highly experienced players, then maybe you should know better. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. look. That's that's a good point to make. I know. I have some practice games against my mates and we sometimes the practice game is cool we'll take it easy we'll do this we'll do that and then other times in practice games we'll try and go right there's there's no take backs there's no nothing this is a game if if we had an opponent across the table who said which you know they're well within their rights you haven't done this you've you've moved on you can't you go cool suck it up and move on but some of those practice games are huge where you you do that you go both ways and you practice that Um, I guess we'll move on to the the big bad wonderful ATC which is happening next weekend in my home state now I am extremely fortunate to be the coach of the Queensland team this year so I get to hang out with eight incredible players from Queensland there's also eight more incredible players in the mercenaries team this year and we have states and territories north and south on New Zealand coming around so we know that there's been the lovely Sam Lemon who's done some fantastic work on talking to different teams and things like that, which is fantastic. Uh, but for us, I guess I'm just going to go through what my my thought process here is: is that this is this is the the star event. This is for most of us in in Australia. This is kind of this is my pinnacle. This is what I want to be going to every single year, and we are fortunate enough that it is held in Queensland this year at Fitzy's Logan home. So Josh McGowan, our rep, also one of the team members, he's organized it all. There's also a doubles tournament happening at the exact same time just to use the space as, as best as we can, which means that we've got a great opportunity for all different levels of 40K coming. So if you are in Queensland and you're free next weekend, it's on Saturday and Sunday, feel free, come down, check it out, see the, the some of the best players in the country and indeed the world duking it out to see just just who which state is the best and look i i know who i think is probably going to win it but i'm going to check in with ben and see see maybe his his podium picks maybe not in order but which <laughs> top three teams do you think he's going to get out look um there's there's a couple of ways to measure this i think uh i think a lot um and now we have the joys of some technical difficulties as ben rapidly plugs his headphones back in are you with us again, Ben? I am. Negative. He is not with us yet. I'll go my, through mine first as he's he's fixing his stuff up. So for me, I I can't go past the home state. My home state being Queensland, I think, given the, the caliber of players and just watching the incredible work that, that the team's done, I'm definitely going to tip them for one of the podium positions. I think if I had to look at the, the players on the teams and things like that, that are most likely to to really push hard oh, look i think that there's a there's a really good chance that that new south wales with the team that they put together this year that's that's kind of what i'm looking at is new south wales is is definitely definitely up there and i'm going to go a little bit left of field here for me i reckon new zealand can really really bring the heat i've i've been to a couple of team tournaments where they've been in and they have, they've come along and they've they've done some some good work. I look, I reckon that they're going to be a surprise package. They're my picks there. Ben, do you want to try that microphone of yours and see if it works? Yeah, sure. Hello. 
So he's still trying to figure it out. I think (laughs) another thing that I want to talk about is the, the big thing for me is surprises for us. I think the meme game has been off chops. I have seen some fantastic things from some some of these teams and I just I have had the pleasure of playing some of the ACT boys at Adelaide Uprising and I think they're really going to build on what they've done from last year they've got a great coach in Sam Lemon um, we we are probably going to see some really exciting things from them which I'm really excited to see the the dream would be for them to be able to follow through on some of the some of the things that they've they've spoken about if they yep. can uh, back up their, their big talk game yep. we'll be Really, really surprised there. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, how dare I get cold sitting out here on my balcony at home trying to avoid my teenage sons and wife wanting to pour my wine glass again. That must uh, be difficult. You could also just stop being soft. I've heard that's a really big positive. I, well, are you calling South Australian soft ahead of ATC or just Yabby Hunters or St Kilda are beating Port Adelaide 33 to 15. I noticed that as I walked past the TV. Look, so. I'll go through all three of these. Calling South Australian soft, 100%. I don't care how many times those players may have beaten me at events where I haven't beaten them. Calling you soft, every single chance I get. And calling yeah. AFL soft, 1 million percent. Mate. Oh, well, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Fair enough. On all. Look, okay, you asked me my, for my... Uh, my rankings on ATC, uh, just to just to go back again um, to what I said during the pilot episode, we're in a renaissance here of 40K in Australia. I think anyone that's aspiring to greatness in 40K in Australia at the moment is a winner. And I'm not saying that like we're all the underlings vying to be one of those top five players, but seriously, if if you've ever wanted to play 40k competitively in Australia, now is the time, because we have such a representa- great representation of players, teams, events, etc. And there's kind of an even spread across the country. Like the best event in Australia is in Adelaide. It's uprising <laughs> in January. Come on, who else can boast a super major like uprising? And thanks to everyone from interstate, even overseas, that comes down for it. As for the team's event, though, look, I think if you're a statistical analyst, you've got to look at Queensland as, you know, the Maroons coming into New South Wales for the sixth time, maybe going to lose that origin (laughs) again. Then... I, I'm going to have to, my, my home state, my sovereign state, look, I've been in Adelaide for 20 years, but I've got to give kudos to New South Wales. They, they've they got a, a good, good retinue of players. They've got a lot to pick from in terms of competitive player. Uh, it's, and I don't want to head right down the eastern seaboard and go uh, north to south. One, two, three. Say Victoria, <laughs> yeah, and don't want to say Victoria next because... As a, an honorary or a full-blooded South Australian, I'm going to say now, it's not Victoria. And Oof. I'm not sure if Matt Morosoli is playing for Team Victoria at ATC this year. I actually haven't looked at their, their player list or their lineup. Uh, I don't know who's on there. Um, but don't worry about Victoria, forget them. Um, 
<laughs> I love it. No, no I love the smack talk. No disrespects to Victorians. I'll be in Melbourne next week for work, and uh, I hope to see your smiling faces. Um, look, there there is some there is some good stuff coming out of uh, New Zealand. Uh, we can't forget the WA guys, and there is my beloved SA SA mates. Look, there are some really good players in the SA team. There's, you know, Brad Mack, Nathan Meach, Mark Caruana. Uh, James Mann. Um, yeah, look, it all comes down to the day, the pairings, the dice, the mental presence of each player, the confidence, and the tastiness of the water, and I guess the <laughs> hospitality of the hosts. Um, I think Queenslanders have, have got all of that. Um, but look, did we expect Australia to win WTC? Yes. In Belgium last year. You did? Yes, 100%. Wow, uh, okay. Look, I'll, I'll back 100%. Knowing the boys went away and came fourth with with their last team and the, the hard work. I was, you know, the, the training camp was based in Queensland. I watched how hard those boys worked. I helped out yeah, right. the tiniest bit. Okay. I, I would have backed them 100%. So do, do you think WA, like huge showing from them last year with... Matt Morosoli on the team coming second. Do you think they can back it up? Um, yeah, look, again, I... I look, for me, uh, look, uh, I don't mind a horse race and I used to love a bet. I would have... I'd have my water nifties on Queensland. Um, and, I, and I really think second place is up for grabs. I think those, those other two podium spots are... Up for games and and look, there could be a, a Kingslayer out there somewhere looking to knock Queensland off their their pedestal, in which I've anointed them on. <laughs> um, but we will see. Yeah, we'll, we we'll do see. our do our best to prevent that, unfortunately. But look, super exciting. We'll definitely do a bit of a recap episode of ANZTC, and I'm sure we won't be the only podcast to do so. But we're going to move into the last part of our podcast for today, which is our average. Warhammer 40k focus this is a bit of a section we want to do at the end of each episode where we look at the average player and something they can focus on so the thing that I wanted to talk about tonight because I find it really interesting is what do you focus your hobby on with a new edition coming do you still chase that meta as someone who doesn't really paint their own armies like I have to ask my painters to chase the meta for me or, or like what's what's the best mind, mindset there and I'll talk talk from my own point of view first for me as someone whose eldar collection is i must have at least three of everything my my mate jay who's painted some of my stuff goes dude you have 45 swooping hawks you can only have 30 why do you have so effing many and i go but they're cool and he goes i hate you so much my my suggestion to you is you don't know what you don't know if you don't know things are going to be good Look at look at things that you don't have that really interest you or excite you. Look at what's aesthetically pleasing. Look at what you go, hey, that looks kind of cool. Or I always wanted one of those. I know for me, I'm getting some Shadow Spectres done up. They've been on the fringe of some of my lists in the past. And I've gone, you know what, stuff it. Who knows what they do with Forge World. But I use it as an opportunity to pick those things that the meta has not let me chase after. So let's let's take a stab in the dark and hope hope that they're at least playable. It it does help when your collection is so big that there's very few things left. 
but that's where you get the joy of going hmm i wonder for what my other army is aka maybe this small gsc force i may have sent off to a, to a mate to get painted i wonder if there's anything there i really want to push from him but yeah i my thought process is what do you like what do you think's cool get get some hobby time on it because if it if it sucks it's not different from when you first did it and if it's great then you've you've come out ahead of the meta you've pre- successfully predicted what's the new hotness what do, what do you do ben with a new edition coming up yeah look it's a good question i run three armies i've got my knights uh which i have a love-hate relationship with and thank you again james man for giving me hope uh, i have my ultramarines because they're the poster boy of everything 40k and i have my world eaters which had a codex drop six months before uh, a new additions due to drop and i've since read on the gw website that my codex is going to be obsolete so that was (laughs) you know a great a great purchase and but they they do remind me that my book is filled with art and lore and everything fabulous to do with world eaters um, thank you, GW. Um, for that not a hint reminder. of bitterness was detected at all not in his voice there. Not a hint of bitterness, no. But I did go into my friendly GW store today in Adelaide and buy a bloodthirster because I know we've got a new a, a new rule set dropping, but I've got an RTT in May and I've got Terracon in June, and I don't think we'll be playing 10th in June at Terracon, which is a, a two-day event. And I just want to play a bloodthirster. And <laughs> I think that any model you buy will be relevant in, at some point over some addition or with modification to a data slate. My encouragement is don't rush out and sell everything. At the same time, don't rush out and buy everything. I'd say just keep buying, keep painting, keep hobbying to your current standard, to your current wish your current budget your current time every model that you collect now i i believe will have relevance and purpose at some point and to what michael said don't don't bin it you can have too much of one thing it may become relevant i bought three boxes at eight bound when the world eat world eaters codex dropped i could have bought six that would have been a great idea because you cannot find eight bound anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in the world for that matter. And uh, I believe that a collection is as good as your desire to want to play. And things like land raiders, transports, uh, terminators, uh, are going to they're have coming their, back. Their they're in, coming they're back. They're coming back. Yeah, they're going to have their day in court once again, and. To those of us that have kept those models and have them on the shelf and ready to go, um, yeah, yeah, you'll be you'll be happy, happy boys and girls when it all comes out. I know yeah. some, happy, something that happy sucks. little veggie mites. Yeah, exactly. Something that Simon up here in Queens and I have spoken about is the joy of having everything is that you have everything, and you never yeah. have to worry about meta chasing because you've already got it. So some really good advice there from you, Ben and. Look, we said we wanted to keep it pretty bite-sized, so I think we'll wrap it up there. I think Ben's making goo eyes at his wife anyway, so I might just let him let him go and enjoy his Friday evening. I'm going to go enjoy mine. Guys, thanks so much. Please continue reaching out, telling us what you like, what you don't like. Let me know if my little sound, sound snippet works at the start and what you want to hear in the future. Yeah, and apologies for the uh, technical 
uh, malfunction there. Uh, average 40K, average guys, average technical ability with podcasting. Um, I've since learned that if I need to stall and go get a jacket because I'm really cold, I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to do as Michael said. I'm going to toughen up. Um, thank you once again for all your support, episode one. Hopefully episode two has hit the mark. Um, we'll keep chatting on The Gathering Storm on Facebook. Uh, give us five stars on Spotify. We're not monetizing this yet. It may monetize us, but we'll wait and see. <laughs> um, but a five-star rating will will get our our podcast a little bit further up on those 40K searches. So thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. See ya.